What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. What's up, everybody? It is Thursday, and we are talking about our Do Not Draft list, which is really just Do Not Draft at their ADP. We don't hate these guys. We think they're good, but based on where they are being drafted, not going to be on our teams. Dave and Heath are here. I am Adam. We got to get your emails if we have time at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. If you have a question, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That is the letter I. And also fantasy cops. Been meaning to do a fantasy cops segment. Definitely going to do that at some point soon. If you have any league disputes, you can email that email address and put fantasy cops in the subject line. All right, guys. Give me your headliner. Do not draft list. Heath Cummings. The the biggest one, the biggest name for you on the do not draft list. Who is it? Well, I went through round by round by NFC ADP. So I'll just start with the first rounder. It seems like that's probably the biggest guy. And um Judging by his weight the game, biggest maybe guy. the biggest guy, <laughs> yeah. literally as well. Yeah. Najee oh. Harris in the first round. No, he only gained like 5 to 25 pounds, depending on who you believe. Um, I'm not drafting Najee Harris in the first round. He is pick 13 or 14 for me. And I just, man, there's so much of his value last year that was dependent on two things. The fact that the Steelers threw the ball 664 times and the fact that he played 17 games. And I don't want to count on those two things. We're talking about a guy who led the league, led all running backs in receptions and still finished number eight on a per-game basis, RB8. I don't have any reason to think he's necessarily going to be more efficient. I don't think the offense is going to be worse, but I don't know that it's going to be better. And I think both their total number of passes and the percentage of their passes that go to running backs could plummet. So RB eight, let me just get your takes. We never really talk about this. And and he, I think I should say he was RB eight. He was closer to Ezekiel Elliott in points per game at RB 18 than he was at Austin Eckler at RB three. Okay. But that's, oh, like it was a miserable this RB eight. This is, mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm mad. Now I'm mad because I mean, it's just yes, factual. I know, but why didn't you go to RB four? Because he was much, much closer to RB four than he was to RB three, so we actually don't talk about this a lot. And I'm, I'm, you know, we should bring it up more, right? Heath and I are using fftoday.com. Their PPR, no. 
I am not. Okay, I'm using that. I right. feel like we should. That's all... why we always have different numbers. Right. That means I'm that we using have three based on our scoring systems. Right. Well, you know, I mean, either way, either way, RBs one through three were in a class of their own per game. Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler. On FF today, RB4 is Leonard Fournette at 18.3. RB7 is Alvin Kamara at 18.1. So there's almost no difference between RB4 and RB7. And then you have Najee Harris, who is RB8 at 17.7. He was uh, six-tenths of a point worse per game than Leonard Fournette, which isn't nothing. And Leonard Fournette was RB4 per game. And Leonard Fournette's not being drafted in the first round. Yeah, it's a good question. Why isn't he? Um, but, uh, but you know, he, but I would say that to be fair to Najee Harris, he was pretty close to RB4. He wasn't close to RB3 because the, nobody was really except for the first three. But he was pretty close to RB4. And, and it is, it's hard to give so much context to everything, right? But we say he was RB8. How about this? You know, he was close to RB4. He was closer to RB4 than to RB13. Much, right? Yeah, much. He was, but I, again, I'm using closer. different numbers than you have. I've got him as a. <laughs> uh, but still, either way, they're they're very similar. Even if they're even if they're not the same, he's much closer to RB four than he was sure. to RB thirteen. Two point three points per game ahead of RB thirteen, who on my list is Aaron Jones, and he was I think half a PPR point off of uh, Leonard Fournette. <laughs> well, exactly I think, like, what I have. Exactly, except point six instead of point five. The thing, what you, not have exactly. to, what you have to decide first is, do you think in full PPR, Najee Harris is more likely to score more or less fantasy points per game than he did last year? So he, only, I would say, he only scored like, 10 touchdowns in 17 games. That's You got to hope that goes up. I don't, yeah, I mean, it might. If I just do, do we think the Steelers are going to have a good offense? I do not. No, I think, and I, I'm certain. I think I'm probably the highest on the side on Najee, and it's something that I've thought a lot about because the next guy I have behind him is McCaffrey, and I know what the warts are on McCaffrey. And the one thing that I think I can feel good about with Najee Harris is that he's young, he's strong, good pedigree, survived 17 games last season. I think if there was a guy, if there was a profile to survive 17 games at a running back, he would fit that. Second year in the league and all that stuff. I do think the offensive line is going to be better because how could it be worse? Um, I guess it could be the Dolphins offensive line or something like that. And I think he's still going to be involved in the passing game, whether it's to the same degree. Um, I, I'm not 100% certain on. I do know that if you take out that game where he had 14 catches, it was early in the year, still average over three catches per game. It's pretty good for a running back. That means he's going to get you over 50 on the, over the course of the season. And I think he can do better than that. I do think he's a contender for double-digit touchdowns, maybe even 12. I think he is going to be their primary option inside the five. Do I think the offense is going to be good? Uh, it'll probably It's going to be different. And I think by that alone, it's going to be better than what it was last year. So I kind of like Najee Harris. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. He might be more of a compiler. Than a breakaway guy, but I I think he's I think he's worth the first round pick. And honestly, I I think if you've got questions about some other running backs, uh, he's he's worth an uh, early to middle, maybe the middle part of that first round. Okay, Dave, who's the headliner of your do not draft list? 
Well, I listen, I've got a bombshell to drop on everybody. And I know that every, I'm going to get a lot of brushback for this, but here goes. Greg Zerline, who's been oh, so it's... good as a fantasy kicker for so long, is now on the Jets. And I just, I cannot take him at his current age. I, I was really disappointed. I thought you were just going to say the top 12 wide receivers. <laughs> no, I, when I looked at this list, Heath, I, I wanted to pick guys that I had ranked 10 spots at minimum at least 10 spots where they were on the NFC ADP. Uh, I think the headliner for me, it, it's been this guy all along is Cam Akers. I just need to see him look good. Have, and I don't know when we're really going to see it or really feel it, but I, I, if he can't regain his explosiveness, then I don't see how the coaches in Los Angeles would even let him be a feature back again. They, they won the Super Bowl and went on a Super Bowl run in spite of him. And they almost did it on purpose because they kept giving him the ball as much as they did in the playoffs. There's no way he's a third-round pick right now. Okay. Uh, Cam Akers, what do you think about these numbers? Uh, a 17-game pace of 241 carries, 46 catches, um, about 1,400 total yards, and uh, 13 touchdowns. Well, that's definitely not the pace that he showed in the playoffs. Well, of course he didn't show that in the playoffs. He was coming back from a torn Achilles. He was terrible. Why Why not pay attention to what he did at the end? This, by the way, what I'm about to say is not the same. Mm -hmm. Why not pay attention to what he did at the end of the 2020 season when he was very good? But that's not and what he those, had two good Achilles. What those numbers were. So, again, it was, uh, it was about it was 287 touches. Mm-hmm. 1,392 yep. total yards. And and, you sound and like 30. my argument to take Cam Akers in round one last year. Yeah, this is this is Daryl Henderson's 17-game pace before he got hurt. That's very oh, close okay. to what I have Akers projected for. I've got him at 281 touches, 1,295 yards, and 12 touchdowns. So you just have a lower yards per carry because Henderson averaged 4.6 yards per carry. Yeah, I definitely have a lower yards per carry, and I've only got him at 29 catches. Um, uh, so I've got him at RB17, which is right at the 3-4 turn. Yeah, the catches are curious. Or uh, so early round two for Dave. That's a big deal, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dave loves running backs. So um, but that is a big deal, the catches, right? What did you say you projected Akers for, Heath? 29. What do you think, Dave? Give me an estimate. If Game Akers plays 17 games, how many catches? I'd lean closer to 29 than 46. Okay. All right. So it's uh, Najee Harris. He's going sixth overall for Heath. Heath wouldn't draft him in the first round. He'd take him just after that. And for Dave, it's Cam Akers as the headliner. Akers, according to NFC ADP in the month of June, is going 30th, and Dave would take him 52nd. Cool. One thing you should take is 20% off your order at the CBS store if you want some Fantasy Football Today gear. We're talking hats, mugs, sweatpants. If you want to be lazy, wear some FFT sweatpants. That'd be great. Pint glasses, water bottles, T-shirts, uh, all this great stuff. And you can get it with the FFT logo. It's really cool. And you can get 20% off your order when you use this code. It's only for our listeners, FANTASYFOOTBALL20. I love that, by the way. They gave me the copy that says it's only for our listeners. Like, if you don't, if you give it to your friend who doesn't listen and your friend uses the fantasy football 20 code, they're going to know they're not a listener. They won't get the discount. Uh, anyway, I'll give you the link in the episode description to the CBS store. And there you can find our products and buy them. 
and get 20% off your first order with the promo code FANTASYFOOTBALL20. Not a lot of news these days, although we are waiting for the big one, and we could have a Deshaun Watson decision soon. Is that hearing when What do you mean by soon? Well, I, th- I saw something that could be by the end of the week. Friday news dump. Yeah, it could be. So Okay. I thought the trial was supposed to stretch into next week. It could that that, that would be awesome. awesome. <laughs> Bring news up tomorrow. Uh, not really. I don't really want to do a bonus pod this week. I'd rather wait till next week. Uh you already scheduled a bonus pod this week. Yeah, but that's in place of another one next week. It's not a bonus pod. It's your Monday show. You know? Monday's fourth of July, so we'll have a pre recorded mailbag on Friday. Still have time to get your questions in. And Miles Sanders wants the ball more. And he says, fantasy football, I don't care about it. Don't pick me up on fantasy no more. You're going to keep getting two to three points if, and then he stopped himself. <laughs> yes. Um, he, he didn't ever say he wanted the ball more. He, he said several sentences where he just stopped like two-thirds of the way through. But he doesn't care about fantasy football. Well, he's frustrated because fantasy people want more fantasy production from him, and he knows that. He was asked if he's... Uh, approached by fantasy managers basically and he showed some frustration with his role i would you say that's accurate i well i thought i mean he you could interpret it multiple ways he definitely showed some frustration it was difficult to interpret because of his lack of words whether the frustration was with with fantasy managers or his role or both i'd probably i'd say both would you guys rather have miles sanders or elijah mitchell Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Damian Harris. Sanders. Not PPR Harris. Harris will be on my bus list. Full PPR, I think I'd go Sanders. If I had, if I had not, gone past round five, Harris would be yeah. on the do not draft list. If I had a do not draft list, he would be the entire list, I think. But I would just list them five times, Damian Harris. I would just leave Patriots and running back each year and then just change the name, whoever the, the highest drafted one was. Except for the PPR guy, you know? That's not yeah, he's been great lately. <laughs> well, no, James White had six, <laughs> 12 catches in two games. Um, and then he got hurt in the third game very early. Azer stat. Okay, those are your news and notes. Let's go to the do not draft list. Dave, you got hmm. Cam Akers. We talked about that. You're saying Javante Williams. So I do feel like you've you've been a little bit lower on him now than you were when the, when the Melvin Gordon signing happened. Is that fair? Because Okay, yes. so this context is Javante's going 16th. And Dave has him 27th, so that's why he's on the do-not-draft list. If you can get him in the third round, great. But 16th, do-not-draft for Javante Williams. I just, I love the talent. I don't like the situation that he's still going to be splitting, even if it's 60-40. And the offense is going to be better in Denver, but it's not going to be what it was last year. They're definitely going to throw more. This offense is going to be about Russell Wilson. It's not going to be about Javante. Here's a fun stat. Do you know how many targets running backs have gotten from Russell Wilson from three yards or closer over the last three years? From no. three yards or closer? To the goal line. Oh. Oh, uh, one? That no, seems like a very specific. It's too high. Too high. <laughs> Whoa, really? He's not. He he doesn't throw to running backs down there. He loves wide receivers and then tight ends. And that's kind of been the like MO of his career with just passing in general, too. Um, except when he had Jimmy Graham, but Jimmy Graham was more wide receiver. And, and this is what we talked about yesterday. Like we, it's, it's, um, or maybe we didn't, maybe I talked about it last night on a different show. Um, this is the one, probably the most maddening situation because of the potential upside. 
mm-hmm. and the fact that you have to mesh all of these weapons who have never played with a good quarterback and Russell Wilson, who has been with Pete Carroll for a decade and Hackett, who may have been making decisions or may have just been doing whatever LaFleur said. Um, because if you looked at Hackett's record, you would think, man, there's going to be a huge amount of running back involvement. And you're probably not going to see 600 pass attempts from Russell Wilson because Aaron Rodgers doesn't ever throw it 600 times. Mm-hmm. But I think you are going to see Denver throw a lot. I think they're, I don't think Russ would be as excited to be there if it wasn't for the entire change of philosophy. And he's not under the thumb of Pete Carroll anymore. It would be weird if he was like, oh, I'm cool with not passing when he was fighting for years to throw more and be more involved in the Seattle offense. And if they're throwing more, that means there's fewer rush attempts to go around. And there's already going to be so many rush attempts for Javante versus Melvin Gordon. And if we had said last year, well, you can draft both these guys. And then when Melvin Gordon invariably gets hurt, Javante Williams will go after the races that worked for one week. And then the rest of the time you had two running backs that were good flex options. I don't want to draft. I don't, I, I know there's upside there. I know we're excited about him. The talent is undeniable. I wish Melvin Gordon would take a one-way trip to Hawaii. Okay. Like, like he goes to camp this. and he just retires. So here's it's one from the taking him in the middle of round two. YouTube chat. They're right? still hosting. Uh no, I probably cut him off too Look soon. At I'm you, sorry. You're all I'm, over me. I'm today. sorry. Yeah, you are, Heath. <laughs> I'm just Adam put me in a bad mood. It's not your fault, Dave. I'm sorry. Why did I put you in a bad mood? What did I do? No, it's okay. Well, oh, is that the RB4 it's thing? It's what I did in the dynasty draft. It was the RB4 thing? No, it was before the show. We're putting you on the Friday episode? Rank these running backs. Rank these Javante running backs. Williams, Cam Akers, JK Dobbins, Saquon Barkley. And so this is a great question. I'm happy to put Javante Williams out of Akers and Dobbins as of now. That's To me, that's easy because I'm way more nervous about Akers and Dobbins than I am Javante Williams. But we did a draft a couple of weeks ago, and it was full PPR, and I, I had Williams ranked out of Saquon. And I guess I'm just buying into Saquon having a, a good year certainly taking on a lot of work in the Giants' offense. I like what the Giants did with their offensive line. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes in this offense. I know that there's a worse quarterback in New York than there is in Denver. I took Saquon Barkley. How is that good, though, for a running back? What? A, bad, a, bad, a quarterback? bad quarterback? Because the quarterback could dump off the ball to you. I Yeah, and he will. And also, will. you can look at the number one running back from fantasy last year. Uh... I'm, I'm trying to think if, if he was that way the year before. I'm, I'm thinking about Jonathan Taylor last year and Derrick Henry pretty much every year of his career. Not that Tannehill's the worst quarterback. I mean, Daniel Jones is really, really bad. But we can have number one fantasy quarterbacks, or running backs, rather, without sure. great quarterbacks playing alongside Is it them. better? You know, is it better to have a bad quarterback? It's not. I wouldn't I'd think Probably so. not. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for the question, Greg. We will move on from Javante Williams. By the way, the three of us really should be getting along, okay? Because tomorrow is a huge day. Tomorrow is Stranger Things Day, and we should all be united in our excitement for Stranger Things Day. I was so excited. I scheduled a Stranger Things marathon tomorrow afternoon with my son. <laughs> we were going to do this big thing and uh, watch it, and uh, we're going to maybe do it Saturday now. So, I'm going to a wedding this weekend. I don't know when I'm going to find the time to watch Stranger Things. J- Dude, it's going to be a 45-minute show. It's, it's No, it's not. What, the mail? <laughs> no, the mailbag tomorrow that we're doing. 
Uh, it's going to be quick. Don't worry about it. All right. So anyway, let's go oh, to our next guy. You're talking about Stranger Things finale being 45 minutes. That would be a little... No, I think it's, I think it's all told four hours between the yeah. two. Yeah. We'll stick with the running backs here. Stick on Dave's list. Heath had Najee Harris on his do not draft list, as I mentioned. Dave had Akers, Javante Williams. Now, how about Travis Etienne, who is going 36th, and Dave has him 53rd. Go ahead. I, again, am excited about Travis Etienne, especially in full PPR, but round three is just insane to take a guy who may not lead the team in carries, and that's saying something because James Robinson may not be ready for the start of the season. They can't utilize him like a traditional running back. Maybe they can. What the hell do I know? Maybe he goes to camp and he's got more muscle on him and whatever, and he can handle the wear and tear of the position. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes. That's good. I don't know how many touchdowns he's going to end up having. I don't know how many total yards he'll have. He might hit 1,000 total yards on the strength of 65 receptions, but I don't see him um, coming through and finishing as a top 12 type of running back, which is what I think it's close to what I would expect from a running back that's drafted in late round three, maybe top 15 is the expectation. I don't think he gets that high. I think he'll be good. I'm just not taking him in late round three. I like him in early round five, late round four. I think that's well said and we can move on. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we have a lot of wide receivers, some tight ends to talk about. We have one quarterback on the do not draft list list from Heath and uh, we will be right back on fantasy football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. Quarterbacks on the do not draft list. There's just one. So, by the way, this is an incomplete list, but Dave gave me five. Heath gave me five. So, so far we have covered three on Dave's list. Javante Williams, Cam Akers, and Travis Etienne. And only one on Heath's list, and that is Najee Harris. And, of course, remember... This is not, we hate these players, they stink. It's they're going too early. We're not drafting them anywhere near their current cost, basically. Joe Burrow, 55th overall, Heath. Go for it. When would you draft Joe Burrow? Um, Round nine. I think he should be drafted as a low-end starting quarterback if you missed all of the elite starting quarterbacks. And, and he's elite or was last year for a good portion of last year in terms of efficiency. And he got his team to the Super Bowl. And But I, I just think that, and I've said this so many times this offseason, but he needs to throw 50 to 60 more passes with the likely statistical regression that's coming just to match what he did last year. And last year he was QB9, averaging 23.8 fantasy points per game, a full point and a half behind QB5, who was Aaron Rodgers. I just think that even if they throw it four more times a game, you're probably still getting a low-end starting quarterback, and you shouldn't draft low-end starting quarterbacks in round five. 
even if they throw it how many more times per game? Four. Okay. Three to four. If they throw it exactly four, then maybe he could sneak into the top eight. Hmm. So that's really you think his upside is eighth ish, Joe Burrow? No, I mean if if they came out and threw the ball six hundred and seventy times like the Chargers do, mm-hmm. and he ran the ball like Patrick Mahomes, I think he could be QB one. That's what about three hundred and fifty rushing yards. Well, yeah, last year Mahomes had three hundred and eighty-one and two touchdowns. Last year Burrow had one hundred and eighteen and two touchdowns. I think that's happening if Joe Mixon misses significant time, but I think that's the only way it happens. They're kind of a slow team, by the way. They were mm-hmm. 30th in pace in 2021. They were 24th in 2020. They were 16th in situation neutral pace in 2020. So they're not, yeah, they're not like this super fast offense that's going to run a bunch of plays. Uh, okay. Ask, ask people who had Joe Burrow on their fantasy teams last year how they liked him going into the late season. And they'll say, eh, he's not bad. He averaged 20.1 fantasy points per game until week 16. And then, of course, in week 16 and week 17, he put the team on his back. Now, if he did more of that earlier in the year, I I think the tenor of the conversation would change. But for so much of last year, he he was helping his receivers put up good numbers. He himself was not for fantasy. It was weird. Man, I, I agree why. with you. 50, round, round five is ridiculous. Let somebody else take Joe Burrow on the hype of him leading the Bengals to the Super Bowl last year. And because he's a really cool dresser. Well, yeah, I, I don't understand the ADP. I want to see his fantasy pros ADP. QB6, man. Mm-hmm. This is no, when, people want to take him because he's cool. I love being, Well, it's not just that he's cool. It's that he's got two, two wide receivers that a lot of people have ranked in the top 12, and one of them ranked in the top three. And it's a big selling point here. Uh, and he did finish strong. And, and here are his pass attempts. Here are Burrow's pass attempts in his last six games. 46, 39, 34, 37, 38, 33. That's pretty good. Yeah. That, if he were to keep up that type of pace, then uh, then that would certainly help. Do you think that what what would it take realistically, not Joe Mixon getting hurt, for him to finish as a top five quarterback? And you can't say throwing 670 times because I just feel like that's unrealistic too. He would have to be much more efficient. His receivers have to make even more great plays. He's not going to be much more efficient, right? I mean, that was right. He was, uh, he, he was, was incredible. Like he'd have to have otherworldly efficiency. He'd have to throw forty touchdowns. Let's start with that, right? I mean, I think yes, close to forty touchdowns anyway. And I kind of can't put that past him. I also think there's more rushing potential. I've talked about that. I think mm-hmm. if you you look at his college career, you look at his rookie season, just before the ACL, he right. was a better rusher than he was than what he was last year. He was more like Mahomes in that regard. And we've had this conversation so many times. We can move on. Um, even the most, I, I, I would say, like I'm probably the biggest Burrow guy. There's no way I'd take him as QB six, I and mean, that's just, I don't know. I, I don't get why people would take him over Russell Wilson or something like that. But okay, uh, there's only one tight end on the do not draft list, and that is from Heath, and it is Kyle Pitts. going 34th overall. He's your round three do not draft, and you would take him when. Five. I, I've got Kittle, Pitts, and Waller all in round five. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a very similar argument to Joe Burrow. It's a phenomenal talent who was awesome as a young player. And, but even so, 
he scored 10.4 PPR fantasy points per game last year. He was behind Zach Ertz and Dawson Knox and, and well behind TJ Hawkinson. Um, he, you have to think that he loses nothing in terms of efficiency going from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota. And he catches more passes and he catches a whole bunch of touchdowns just to justify this ADP. There's a better chance he finishes outside of the top six tight ends than that he makes you a profit in round three. Very well said. Very well said. It's a gamble. You're you're taking an upside gamble. The floor for him is 10 PPR points per game, which is what he had last year. And that's with one touchdown. So I think he could beat that. But can can he be the could he set records for tight ends at, in in terms of touchdowns? Touchdowns? Yeah. No, but okay. I want to tell you a little story about the 2017 and 2018 San Francisco 49ers. A story that oh, I, good. I love stories. A story that I just looked up on Pro Football Reference. In 2017, the 49ers threw for 4,235 yards. In 2018, they threw for 4,247 yards. So we can just say they threw for the same amount of yards year over year. In 2017, George Kittle had 515 yards. In 2018, he had 1,377 yards. So they did throw for more touchdowns in, in 2018, and he scored three more touchdowns. But I think if you believe in Kyle Pitts, you don't do the math. You just right. believe you in just him. Do. You just believe in him. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. Well, I like him in round four. So you think there's a realistic chance that he could be better than where he's being drafted? Absolutely. Yes. This year. He's got yeah. he Okay. He could get force fed enough passes and be worked in the red zone. It it would be a fireball offense if Arthur Miller Arthur Miller? What the heck? <laughs> Arthur Smith. If Arthur Smith doesn't put Kyle Pitts on his dance card more often inside of ten yards. Yeah, I, I don't think it's so much that. It's that you're talking about and well first off like the idea of going from 500 yards to 1300 yards is much much easier than going from a thousand yards to the type of leap pits would need to make a profit at, at this cost well, what about 1300 yards oh, i think you get to 1300 yards yes yeah, so you get to 1300 yards and not live up to this adp really 1,300 yards You're for talking a about tight a quarterback. End? Marcus Mariota has like a career 4% touchdown rate. They might throw 20 touchdown passes again this year. Yeah, but we've already seen plenty of examples in the last five years or so in the Kittle era of tight ends having elite years with five, five-ish touchdowns. Uh, it's just, you know, the position's not very good. And I think, I really, I look at catches with him. That's where I think in PPR... What do you think about the catches? Because I feel well, like I don't think he's he can maintain the same a dot and the same yards per catch and see a big increase in catches. Yeah, again, the I, thing when that I gives him all those yards on a low enough. The reason he broke the record last year or came close to the record for yards for a tight end was because he. You've talked about it with receivers. It's not great to have a huge a dot. It's rather to have a middle one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He was a downfield wide receiver. He's not going to have a huge catch rate or a huge catch number. And I don't think he's going to start running a lot of slants. Wait, 10.8 A dot? That's bad. Isn't that's it's high for a tight end, isn't it? But he's not a but that's real tight that's end. a good well, probably Kittles has is. been six to eight. It's probably high for a tight end, yeah. But it 
but if we're but considering him picks. like a wide like he's receiver, a different conversation. I don't know. That's an interesting discussion because ten point eight is is what you want from a wide receiver, right? Wide, yeah. But he, can, I drop a, can I drop a stat yeah. line on you? Yeah. For Pitts, seventy-one catches, nine hundred and ten yards, six touchdowns. Or if you want to take away two touchdowns, make it four touchdowns in a thousand yards. No, I've probably got him projected for more than that, I would guess. Okay. Well, that stat line was what Kittle gave you last year, and that was uh, – I mean, he but did he it in 14 time. games. Yeah. Still averaged 13, almost 14 PPR points per game. Yeah. Um, I've got him at 73, 1,018, and 5. Well, if he does so, that, he's not going to be a huge bust in the third round. Right. I think you'll still be happy to have Kyle. Well, I'd be a little disappointed. You're going to wish you yeah, I think in round see, five. Okay. I think you're right. I think in round three, that's a disappointment. In round four, you'll be like, okay, I'll take it. Round five, you'd be excited. Mm-hmm. So right. I think the lesson learned is just wait as long as possible to take Kyle Pitts and hope that the guy who's the most excited to take Kyle Pitts in your draft doesn't take him in round three. He's so it's hard to say wait as long as possible. The lesson, the, the question I'd have is, is the lesson pass on Kyle Pitts and take Waller or Kittle or someone else, or is it to just draft Kyle Pitts? Obviously, I know where Heath would stand. Um, but Dave, if you oh, know, if you know that you have a late round three pick, and the <laughs> the other issue is that if you don't take Pitts in round three or with your early round four pick. You're not getting Waller or Kittle, most likely. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, what running backs are left on the board? I don't know, but you already have I'm two. Just joking. I'm trying to <laughs> make Keith laugh. You you take uh, you take I, Dalton Schultz. Is what you do. You take Dalton Schultz, or you bite the bullet on Pitts in round four if he's there. If he makes it to you. All right. Let's then go you'll, to our then you'll justify it by saying, "Okay, I passed on him on that reach value in round three. I took a good receiver or a decent running back in round three. And now he's there for me in round four. Now I can feel better about it because the guy I would have taken fell back to me six picks later or whatever. And, and it is. Pitts ADOT was not high compared to Travis Kelsey. So as long as Marcus Mariota can be as accurate as Travis Kelsey, I think he could be a high catch guy. As, as Patrick as Mahomes. As Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look again. It's it's a cu- coming at it from a numerical kind of mathematical standpoint, and then just a a blind faith in the talent standpoint is probably going to be where people differ on Kyle Pitts. Um, so let's talk about our wide receivers here. We've got a lot of them. Deontay Johnson is going thirty sixth or thirty seventh, and Dave has him twenty picks later. Uh, C.D. Lamb for Heath is going fifteenth. That's too early. D.K. Metcalf too early. All right, we have four. And by round, they are C.D. Lamb for Heath, Deontay Johnson for Dave, D.K. Metcalf for Heath, and Amonra St. Brown for Dave. Any disagreements here? Anybody think the other dude is wrong? Dave takes D.K. in round four, so I think he thinks I'm wrong. And I've got Deontay in round three in PPR. Yeah, so I think you're wrong on Deontay, and I think I need to kind of change gears on D.K. You, You take Lamb in round two, but not at 15, right? I'm probably taking a running back that slides to 15 over CD Lamb. I think 15 is a little too early for him, but I do like him, and I do think there's potential for him to have 110 catches this year. He, he's another one. It's just basically like in the bur. I've just all these young guys that have not done it, um, and then there's the Kellen Moore deck history of targeting wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They just haven't thrown the ball to a number one wide receiver at a 26, 27% target rate, which I think Lamb will need unless he can somehow start producing like Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase efficiency, which he just hasn't done his first two years in the league, or score a bunch of touchdowns, which he also hasn't done. But this is the first time this offense has the receiving core that it has, and I don't blame them in the past for spreading the ball around as much as they did. I, I think you're gonna. It, it, it's it's a little more challenging to say okay, they're going to continue to spread the ball around when it's James Washington, uh, Jalen Tolbert, a gimpy Michael Gallup. Whenever he comes back, he'll eventually round into form. Versus Lamb, Cooper, and a healthy Gallup, which is what they had in pockets of last year. It's gonna be really fun when they sign Julio. Oh, but that like something like that would change my opinion on CD right. Lamb. If they sign yeah. almost anybody worth a damn. Right, I think you got to really look at the, the the comparison, the 2019 season, right? You could throw out, maybe throw out 2020 because Dak only played five games. 2021, you had Cooper and Lamb and Gallup for about half the season and Schultz. 2019 is, I guess, what would concern you for CeeDee Lamb. You had Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Your third best receiver was Randall Cobb and an aging Jason Witten. And still in that season with Dak Prescott throwing 596 times, that's a lot in 16 games. Amari Cooper only had 119 targets in 16 games. In fact, Michael Gallup averaged more targets per game, but they were very similar, 119 to 130-ish targets. And then per Cobb and Witten were both over 80, right? 83 for both Cobb and Witten. So that's what would pro- probably what concerns Heath. Uh, let's talk about Deontay Johnson because I thought you both would agree on Deontay Johnson. Dave says too early at 37th. Heath, what do you say on Deontay? I. <sighs> I don't like it and I don't ever actually draft him, but I still think right now he's probably going to dominate targets. I I really dislike Deontay a lot more in non-PPR and half-PPR. and full PPR, I still think the catches are probably there. I don't think he gets the same type of target share. Uh, He's averaged over 10 targets per game the last two seasons. I think the Steelers in general throw less than they did last year. It's another nod to Najee in that regard. And when he did get targets, he wasn't efficient with them. His A dot last year was under nine, which for a wide receiver, you tell me, Heath, is is eight eight point five good for a wide receiver for A dot? It's you you had better be doing some things after the catch. Well, he had a sixty three percent catch rate over the course of the that's, season. That's pretty bad in combination with yeah, the A-dot. exactly. So, so now if his target share goes down and he's if that's what his efficiency is, just on that stat alone makes me nervous. Yeah, I mean, by yards per target and yards per catch, he's one of the least efficient high-volume wide receivers in the NFL. So that's, if that's just a good way to say it. And it could my, be Ben's fault. My bet is that Trager? he doesn't get as many targets. Ben Tracker's fault? Mm-hmm. No, it, it's he <laughs> talking about a Ben's fault, not you. So can't blame this one on Tracker. Oh, okay. You're usually the one blaming Tracker for something. Yeah, so how does Deontay Johnson – first of all, would you take Michael Pittman or Deontay Johnson? Pittman. Pittman. All right, so how does Deontay Johnson factor into this – round four run of wide receivers with some uncertainty, right? DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, uh, guys, we, we just don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like. I take Cortland Sutton there, but he goes a lot later than that. Um, Jalen Waddle, uh, Terry McLaurin, you know, does he, does Deontay Johnson belong in that group? He's pretty much at the front of that group. No, for, for me, he's behind. DJ Moore is the only wide receiver right now in that group that I would take over him. Okay. And just want to look something up because 
on Fantasy Pros, Pittman is firmly in that group, but uh, in NFC, he is not. He is like the bridge. It's like Higgins and Pittman come after the kind of proven stud receivers. Yeah, and I then think Pittman you is, get that group. I think Pittman's up to round two in high stakes drafts now. <laughs> that really? seems crazy to me. Doesn't I got him high round three, but I don't think I'll get him round two. Yeah, I, I think, but I do think, I think that there is a like forty-seven percent chance, forty-eight percent chance that Michael Pittman scores more PPR fantasy points than CD Lamb this year. Hmm. What do we think about DK Metcalf? He's going forty-sixth overall. I. Dug into some numbers earlier this offseason on DK Metcalf and how he, uh, this just makes sense. He does better when the Seattle run game stinks. And then when the Seattle run game is good, this is last year anyway, when the Seattle run game is good, there aren't as many passes to go around. He's not nearly as effective. Remember that run that Rashad Penny had last year? It was like a six-game run. He was crazy. Um, DK had one game north of 15 PPR points then, and Russ was playing. And they added Ken Walker. They clearly want to still run the football. The quarterback situation's gotten worse. So I've I've got to really turn down on DK Metcalf, and I've moved him outside of round four in my PPR rankings. I look at him now as an early round five. Shrug your shoulders and say, well, this guy's at least going to play a lot and should lead the Seahawks in targets. I would say if they don't trade for Baker Mayfield, then he is currently overvalued. And if they do trade for Baker Mayfield, then he is currently undervalued. What if it's Jimmy Garoppolo and it's I not a trade? I don't think, and I I could be wrong, but I don't think that Garoppolo's skill set will fit as well. I don't. Garoppolo is really good at those underneath throws and mm-hmm. the the short area targets. DK needs somebody that can wing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another thing you talked about: DK Metcalf in the run game. How about DK Metcalf in the quarterback play? This is. Unfortunately, I mean, it's so dramatic that it's hard to expect someone to be good, I guess, when the quarterback play is this bad. But if you look at the last two seasons, the first eight games of the year, he was on pace for nearly 1,700 yards and 17 touchdowns. Okay, DK Metcalf was a star. He was probably wide receiver one or two in those eight games. And Russell Wilson was on pace for 5,400 yards and 60 touchdowns. (laughs) The last eight games of the year... Russell Wilson struggled. He was on pace, a 17-game pace of 3,551 yards and 26 touchdowns. And Metcalf actually put up decent numbers, except for the touchdowns. 85 catches, 1,094 yards, and four touchdowns. That's I, I feel like that's pretty encouraging because that is some bad quarterback play. And 85 catches, 1,094 yards, four touchdowns. If that goes up to six, I mean, that's basically DJ Moore, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So there is that. Um, and then in the first four games of 2021, Metcalf was great. Wilson was great. In the next five games, which three were three with, um, I, I eliminated the Rams game. He was good in the, he was very good in the Rams game. It was like half with Wilson. It's a hard exercise to do. I'm sorry. Half with Geno Smith. He was very good in that game. Uh, he had two touchdowns and 98 yards. The next five games, he stunk. Um, actually, I guess he didn't. He was, he was, oh, yeah, he stunk. He just was on pace for 10 touchdowns. He was on pace for 864 yards. That was three with Geno Smith, two with Russell Wilson, and Wilson was terrible his first two games back. Then you get these last seven games. On pace for 801 yards and 10 touchdowns. Wilson was on pace for 3,762 yards and 36 touchdowns. So not very good except for the touchdowns. But also remember, Metcalf was playing hurt. He had a foot injury. 
um, that he didn't really talk about, but he did have surgery, right? Or did he not have surgery? But he definitely had a, a foot injury. So one thing you notice is that for the most part, the touchdowns were there, but that might just be a Russell Wilson thing. But yeah, I mean, th- there was not a lot of upside when the quarterback, there was not a lot of yardage upside when the quarterback was bad. He was kind of like a best case scenario was like DJ Moore, basically. And I expect kind of bad quarterback play, and you know, unless it's Mayfield, and then you might get you might get a steal, and that's another thing for those of you drafting in the Scott Fishbowl. Keep that in mind with Metcalf and DJ Moore. Maybe the two players most likely to have a quarterback upgrade between now and the start of the season. You might get a steal on them in the Scott Fishbowl or any early draft. Um, but I don't know if that was interesting to you at all, but obviously <laughs> a big surprise, DJ, DK Metcalf ebbed and flowed with the play of his quarterbacks. But what's really interesting is that over the last two years, the Seahawks have had pockets of incredible quarterback play and pockets of really bad quarterback play. Uh, it, it haven't had much in between. There's going to be a lot more pockets of bad quarterback play. Even if it's yeah. Baker, even if it's Garoppolo, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. They're downgrading there. And their starting tackles are rookies. And their defense isn't as good. So, And, and they want to run the football. They want to run the football. They're, yeah. they're still treating the NFL like it's like turn of the century. And I mean like to 2000, not to like 1900s or whatever. Last year, Pittman had 88 catches, 1,082 yards, and six touchdowns. So just over 13 PPR points per game. That might be where DK lands. 13.4. Okay. Uh, I am, ob- oh, Amandra St. Brown. Anything to add on Amandra St. Brown? End of round I, Just the situation is completely different than where it was last year. The target volume is going to be way down with everybody healthy now. And not to mention added, DJ Chark's there now. He's going to get targets. Whenever Jameson Williams gets healthy, he will have targets. Uh, DeAndre Swift, I think he's going to get a bucket of targets every single game. I, I do not see him. He, he could be okay as like a number three receiver in full PPR but I'm not drafting him anywhere near where people are taking him now. Which is 57th overall for Monroe St. Brown. It's a round five pick. Okay. Uh, I am, uh, there's a new segment called Obligated to Talk About Mark Andrews because I put him on the thumbnail. I did the thumbnail before I had your list of players. So Mark Andrews. You just put Mark Andrews assuming that somebody would not don't want to draft. I thought Dave would not take Mark Andrews in round What's two. What's his ADP? 21st. It's really close to where I'd be okay taking him. So I can't say that I wouldn't take him at 21st. But I don't I don't think he's going to be anywhere near as good as he was last year. So I put him on the thumbnail because he goes much earlier than that, I feel like, in, a, in our CBS analyst yeah, draft. because Heath takes him. Yeah, yeah. somebody takes just him. just me. You know, top 18. Heath, where are you taking Mark Andrews? 13. Yeah, see, that's why I'll just put you and Mark Andrews on the thumbnail. (laughs) Yeah, me and Mark Andrews holding hands, talking about how much fun last year was, and getting ready to run it back. Getting ready to run it back to what he did in 2020, maybe. Better not take him in round two if that's the case. Yeah, right. Well, except he's going to be really good for a tight end. He's just not going to be as productive as other players that you could draft in that round two range, especially in early round two. Okay, I will say that uh, hold on. Let me before I make a fool of myself. Please, let me make, no, you know what? Is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Thank you. If Mark I, Andrews, I, I need just, somebody to move his ADP down a little bit, please. If Mark Andrews just does what he did in 2020, Kyle Pitts will definitely be better than Mark Andrews this year. It's possible. It really is. Um, 
He averaged 12.2 PPR points per game in 2020. So if Kyle Pitts does exactly what he did last year and scores five more touchdowns, then he will be the same as Mark Andrews in 2020. Sweat's 12.2. He scored 10. He was 10 point something and five more touchdowns would be two more fantasy points per game. So he'd be within a couple of tenths. Yes. So they would be closer together then. No, he Pitts will be better than 12.2 PPR fantasy points per game. But Andrews will also. <laughs> Andrews will be better than he was. He wasn't really that good in 2020. He averaged 50 yards per game. He was better in 2020, in 2019, and obviously much better in 2021 when they threw the ball a ton. Uh, what do you make of this? What do you think is more likely for Andrews? Let me get this stat real quick. Here well, I, are, just, I mean, do we know the status of Nick Boyle? <laughs> here are the uh, percentage. <laughs> I don't see how that's going to be a factor. Percentage of his team's receiving yards per game last three seasons. 27%, 25%, 20, no, 27%, 27.5%, 32%. They're going to throw less. They're going to want to throw less. They're not going to be in this weird situation where their defense isn't delivering and their run game isn't delivering and they're forced to throw. And he was good with Lamar Jackson. He was better without Lamar Jackson. Much better. It's crazy. It's crazy how many targets he got without Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and now 29% maybe, maybe they learned sure. from it in Baltimore, and they said, okay, Mark Andrews has to be on the field every single play. He's going to be the number one receiver. We're going to treat him like a number one receiver from here on out. We're going to treat him like the Chiefs treat Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Now, if they do that, then he's going to look really good. But then there's still the offensive philosophy thing. Now, John Harbaugh says that he takes it on a game-to-game basis, but I think that's bull. I think that they they would prefer to be physical and have a good run game and lean on that to help them win. And not to mention, that takes advantage of Lamar Jackson's very best skill, which is moving. I, I will just say I do not believe moving. that both the narrative that Mark Andrews is going to regress back fully to 2019 and, or 2020, worse than mm-hmm. 2019, yeah, and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards' words are both going to be terrible at the start of the year because they're not fully recovered. Those two things I don't think can both be true. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I do too, and I don't think that Andrews is going to be equal to 2020. I think he'll be better than 2020, but he's not 17 points per game. That's where he was in 2021. What do I have him projected for? That's a that's a good question, Dave. This this will give you an opportunity. I didn't everybody, ask you. An, everybody can laugh at Heath. <laughs> 268.56 divided by 17, 15.8. That's a tight end worth an early second round pick. Can I tell you guys something weird? But I don't think he's getting there. I'm trying to look up who the Ravens drafted. Oh my God, you're going to be looking at Isaiah Likely. Well, they drafted Tyler. They drafted they, two tight ends. They drafted Charlie two Cole tight ends Isaiah in the Lightly. fourth round and a center in the se- in the first round and a safety in the first round. I think we should definitely start making the argument that one of those rookie tight ends is going to take target share from Mark no, Andrews. No, that's not. It's just it's just <laughs> it's just the idea that they're that they're off season. They might combine to take two percent. Trading their number one wide receiver, drafting two tight ends, using a first round pick on a center says we want to run the ball more. But uh, if you go to, if, for whatever reason this is happening right now. You know what? I can probably share the screen if I do it on a different on a, this computer. Uh, if oh, you please let a mess sort, up and show something embarrassing. If you screen. sort the draft by team, let me see if it happens here. Yeah, how weird is this? Uh, okay, share screen, share 
tab. Draft. Can we text Schrager and ask him how? Ready? All right. Can you guys, can we see the screen? I'm looking at the screen. Okay. Oh, I think you did it. Okay, ready? So I sorted by team. Atlanta's one. Baltimore should be two, right? Atlanta, Buffalo, Carolina, Chicago, Cincinnati, Cleveland. I know where it's going to stop in the eyes. It's in the L's. The L's? I would have guessed the eyes. Baltimore. It should be right on the eyes because. Why? What am I missing? It's after the Rams. Rams, Baltimore. Um, so the Rams, hmm, that's interesting because they, <laughs> I would think in this circumstance, the Rams would be in the S's. The Rams are, it, it, the Ravens are in between, Baltimore is in between Los Angeles and Los Angeles. Everything is alphabetical pretty much except Baltimore. Well, the, the the Los Angeles is, I, I wonder, are all of these teams, because all three of those teams did not start out where they currently are. Are they at the bottom, all of them? No, bottom is Washington, Tampa, San Francisco, Seattle. Huh. So it's just somewhere in the middle they put the teams that, because the Chargers should be in the S's if hmm. the Ravens aren't going to be in the B's. Hey, Adam, we've helped Pro Football Reference before. I don't understand. Maybe, maybe we can help them out again. <laughs> That's right. The reason you have 17 game paces instead of 16 game paces is Dave Richard. Uh, and that's a really cool tool, by the way, for those of you who don't know. If you go to Pro Football Reference, which is just a great website, uh, go to Pro Football Reference, go to a player's best. game logs, Third and best. go to a player's <laughs> go to a player's so, game logs, and, and you can select a date range and get 17 game paces based on those date top ranges. Top 20 for sure. It looks intimidating when you first go there, but you, it's kind of intuitive. You can figure your way out. And if you want to look up just any specific player, here's another tip from your pal Dave. Uh, you type in the player's name and then the words pro ref. And the ty- the first link that comes up in Google when you Google it is uh, the, the page you're looking for. Thankfully, I never delete any of my cookies. And so if I type a player's name in the search bar, one of the things that pops up is their reference page because I went to it sometime in the past. I love cookies. Mm, yeah, I was going to say. It was almost the weekend. I've got a uh, an ice cream cake waiting for me. I'll try to Ooh. be just a weekend ice cream guy. But we're going to tear into that on, on Why Friday. do you have an ice cream? Whose birthday is it? It was my birthday. It's my leftover birthday cake oh. from Father's Day. So, so it's two-week-old two ice, ice cream, cream cake. cake. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'm, eat it. Every weekend I'm making some progress. Adam likes his birthday cake like Jamie likes his tight ends. Greater, greater late? <laughs> Uh, All right, we're going to end the show here. We have a mailbag on Friday that's going to air on YouTube on Friday right away. YouTube.com slash fantasy football today. And uh, a mailbag, the mailbag will air in the podcast feed on Monday, on 4th of July. So we will talk to you tomorrow with the top five players we are worried about being wrong about. Fun topic for you. That'll be Jamie and Dan Schneider. Yes, worried about being wrong about. We'll figure it out at some point during the show. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See ya. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 